0: So welcome to Arise Church International. We'll go ahead and and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your amazing loving kindness towards us in that you have given us life for another day. You didn't owe that to us, but you gave it anyway. You helped us to wake up and get out of bed, and you even brought us to a place where we could learn more about you. Father in heaven, we just ask that you would uh, do a mighty work this morning. We ask that you would touch hearts that need to be touched. That you would reveal truth to people who don't know truth. That you would expand your kingdom this morning. That people would see your amazing goodness. And that we would run to Jesus. Bless this time, we ask, Heavenly Father. Anoint your servant, please. I cannot do this without you. If you don't show up here, then this is a waste of time. Please, Lord Jesus, thank you for being with us during the praise and worship time. And we're asking that you would continue to be with us through this time of your, your message. We exalt you and we honor you in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> happiness. So Happiness. What is happiness to you? Have you ever thought about that? Like, what what is happiness? It's kind of like the wind. You can feel it, you can experience it sometimes, but it's elusive. You know, people are people are going from thing to thing for happiness. So, so I heard this once. If you want to be happy for an hour, eat a steak. You want to be happy for a day, watch a movie. You want to be happy for a week, take a cruise. If you want to be happy for a month, buy a car. And if you want to be happy for a year, buy a house. But happiness wears off. It doesn't last. And with none of those things, is a lasting thing. And, you know, every, everyone's version of happiness is different also, you know. You've heard the saying, find your happy place, right? because everybody's got a different happy place. You've probably seen those bumper stickers that say, I'd rather be fishing. I'd rather be skiing. I'd rather be, you know, golfing or whatever. Or So it might be, your happy place might be connected to an activity. Or it might be connected to a place. I saw a couple bumper stickers, I'd rather be in Texas, <laughs> or I'd rather be in Hawaii. So my sister, when she, when she moved to Texas, she got a bumper sticker that said, um, I wasn't born in Texas, but I got here as soon as I could. So happiness might be a place for you. And it's interesting, when you're, a lot of times when people are at work, they, they talk about home life. And you, you think, oh wow, their home life is great. But then when they, when they step into their home life, all they do is talk about work. And then you think, well, I guess the work is what makes them happy. That, that must be what they love. But they're always talking about the other place or somewhere else that they're not because happiness is just so elusive that it's always like out of our our grasp. It's out of our reach. Except for those brief moments of time while you're eating the steak or while you're on the cruise. So what's your happy place? It might be here in the church doing exactly what you're doing right now. Praising the Lord, listening to the word of God. It might be somewhere else doing something else, doing fishing, boating on your cruise, whatever. And for some people, it might be anywhere else but here. For some people, maybe the only reason why they come to somewhere like this is with a ten dollar bribe to 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 ring a movie gift card. That that might be the only, the only reason why some people come. Well, there is a place where happiness doesn't end. It's no longer elusive, but instead it just continues forever and ever and ever, and it doesn't end. And so, what so what so what does that place look like? Okay, well, I'm not going to I'm I'm not going to describe it like in terms of physical description, but I'm going to I'm going to describe it in terms of like. Like the feeling that you'd get when you were there and what you would experience when you're there. So there, first of all, there's perfect justice. Have you ever like, seen somebody re- run a red light and, you're, and it like, torques you off? You're like, oh, they should be caught for that. Or somebody that, that gets off for doing a crime, right? That's not perfect justice. Doesn't that torque you? Or, or sometimes it happens infrequently where somebody who doesn't even do a crime gets put in jail. That's not, that's not perfect justice either. But that happens here all the time. But in that place, perfect justice happens all the time. The guilty are never left unpunished. And the innocent are never condemned. So there's perfect justice there. There's no crime. There's no robbing. There's no stealing. There's no taking from somebody else. Here, I mean, this is New York. (laughs) You, You leave something valuable alone for five minutes, it's gone. But there... Everyone is content with what they have. Nobody has any incl- no inclination at all to take something that doesn't belong to them. Everyone's got more than enough. There's abundance. Everybody's got all that they need, all that they want. There, there's also no fear. Here, fear happens to everybody. You know, you're walking down the street. Maybe you know somebody else is on the street. It's a it, it's a dark night. All of a sudden, you get struck with fear. Not because they did anything wrong. Not because there's really anything. Anything to fear at the time, maybe, but it's just this thing of fear gets injected into you, like with some panic, whenever something isn't quite what you expected. Sometimes that's because of profiling, or sometimes it's because of a traumatic experience. It's, and it's unfair that anybody would be profiled. It's unfair that anybody would have to go through a traumatic experience. But in that place, there's no fear. Nobody's afraid of anybody else. No fear. There's also no frustration. Here we get frustrated when, you know, my computer at work won't do what I want it to do. I'm sitting there like, come on, will you please move it? You know, and sometimes that can be frustrating. Or Sometimes we get frustrated when diapers need changing and you're, and you're already running late or when others don't, don't understand what you're trying to say or sometimes we get frustrated when other people don't do what we tell them to do. But there, everything works out. All is All is well. Everyone's at peace. No frustration. There's also no cares. Here, everybody's worried about school, about job, about work, about finances, about relationship. Right? You've got to get yourself financially set. You've got you to position yourself for the best schools. You've you, you got to catch a winner in the relationship. And if you've got a loser, you've got to fix the loser in the relationship. But there, there's no cares, there's no reason to worry. There's no care, there's no worry, there's anxiety. It's all checked at the door. In that place, everybody just does whatever they want, anything they want. Here, so when I was in college, classes were mandatory, which is which is different. Some of the, some of the people I work with, college classes were not mandatory. They were kind of like optional. As long as you pass the test and turn in some homework, you're good to go. But in my college, if you didn't show up to class, you could get kicked out for that. And so um, it was funny. There was there were, there were a couple of guys who were just who were just they were just they were, just fu- they were characters. They were funny. And so. Um when, when one of their little group would show up, they're kind of like the football players. Okay, they're, they're fun guys. So they're, one of them would be like late to class. And so and another one of them, Alan, I remember, would say, um, the teacher would say, so where's Mr. Hooper at? Where's Mr. Hooper? I don't see Mr. Hooper. He's taking attendance. And Alan would say, Oh, yeah, I don't know. He said something about he doesn't need this class, he doesn't learn from it anyway, and he could teach it better than you can. Oh, something like that. I didn't catch all of it. <laughs> and the funny thing is that the teacher would like, the first time or the first couple times they heard it, they, they would buy it. The teacher would say, Oh, he did, did he? <laughs> we'll just see about that. <laughs> and then, you know, 15 minutes later, Mr. Hooper would walk into the room and, <laughs> and get a talking to at the end. Of the day. <laughs> anyway, and so, um, for me college classes are mandatory. Sometimes you got to do things you don't even want to do, right? You got to go to your job. Hey, who would who would spend all their time at work 40 hours a week if they didn't have to? If you if you could get by with all the money you need without going to work, would you really go to work? You wouldn't go to work. Sometimes you have to do things that you don't have to. But there everyone does whatever they want. <clears throat> all the time, unlimited quantity. In that place there's no rules there's no it's not that just that there's it's not that there's no rules it's that there's no need for rules. Everyone wants to only do the right thing all the time with no inclination to do wrong at all to others. No inclination to do wrong. Sound like a like a perfect a perfect place a different place it sure is. It's the perfect society. So there've been a lot of philosophies Um, all the way up until now in the history of the world. A lot of isms created to try to make the perfect society, right? You've got communism, you've got socialism, you've got capitalism, to name a couple. There's another one I like to tack onto there. It's called cruise shipism. (laughs) So a cruise ship comes pretty close to creating the perfect society. (laughs) All you need to do is eat swim, sunbathe, and eat some more. That's all you need to do. Somebody else makes your bed, they make your food, they take out the trash, they drive the boat, they watch your kid, they'll do everything. Why? Because you paid in advance. And so they take care of everything. Your job is to eat, sleep, and sunbathe. That's your job. That's pretty close to the perfect society. Everybody doing everything you want and nothing you don't. Everything you want and nothing you don't. And that's, that pretty much describes this other place I'm talking about also. Everything you want, And nothing you don't. There's no crime, no fear, no frustration, no cares, no worries. And do everything you want all the time. Everything your heart desires, you go for it. You do it. There's no death, no sorrow, no sadness. Only happiness all the time. It's not just a great place. It's not just an awesome place. It is the perfect place. The perfect side. You sound too good to be true? Wrong. It's not too good to be true. I'm not talking storybook fairy tales I'm not talking you know, fantasy land This is a real place And it's inhabited by real people But we're going to talk about a few things That you need to know About how to get there First of all There's a qualification process It's a selection of sorts An election And so it's, it's by invitation only and just like with any invitation-only only thing, as long as your name is on the list, it is fair game for it. You are through the door, and then you do everything you want, everything that's on your heart, all of your desires, whatever you could want, nothing you don't. Do anything you want without restraint, without inhibition, with no guilt, no shame, no fear, no reprimand, no regret, no remorse, no repercussions. As long as your name is on the list, you get to do anything you want to do. Everything you want and nothing you don't. As long as your name is on the list. That's number one. But number two, your name is not on the list. You're not qualified to go there. Look, this place is real, and it is perfect, and it is awesome, and it is everything you want and nothing you don't, but if you were to go to that society, you would ruin it. You see, if you were to go there, and if you were set free to do whatever you want in that place, then you would be the one to covet and to rob and to steal from others while you accumulated all that your heart desired. If you were set free in that society to do whatever you want, you would be the one to hurt and to wound and to traumatize other people as you carried out all your illicit fantasies. Hundreds of people, thousands of people would be hurt and broken and traumatized and defiled by you. By you. In short, you would ruin that perfect society. Why? Because you're a sinner by nature. By nature. So Bob Hope said, I wouldn't want to be a part of any club that would have me. (laughs) That's why you're not allowed there. That's why your name is not on the list. Because your nature is to sin. And so sin is not just something that you do, but it's a part of who you are. It's something that you cannot escape, you cannot overcome, you cannot change it, no matter how hard you fight against it. It's just like trying to domesticate a lion. It's nature makes it incapable of being domesticated. So I have a friend who had a pet mountain lion. He really did. <clears throat> when he was when he was going through middle school, he really had a pet mountain lion. He lived in the house. I think it was a she. She lived in the house just like a pet dog and they, you know, they pet it and play with it and 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 you know this this boy who was you know middle school age would wrestle with it and stuff like just 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 like a pet dog just friendly you know they were friends until one day the mountain lion got a taste for blood like they were playing around and the mountain lion got a scratch on you know on his head or something and then the mountain lion attacked and so the mountain lion went for his head scratched he still has scars across his head scratched him on his head tried taking a bite out of the top of his skull and, um, and that's as far as he got when other people wrestled the mountain lion off of him. He was about 13 years old. No matter how much you try to build a relationship with a, a, a lion or a mountain lion, its nature will not you know, succumb to that relationship. When it has a taste for blood, it will get blood at all costs because that's what's in its nature. Friendship doesn't matter. It has an instinctive need for fresh meat and a taste for blood. And no, no amount of domestication can ever, you know, bring that under control. And if you were set free to do whatever you want, if you were unrestrained in your need, you would traumatize others to the utmost degree, and you would destroy their lives. Obviously, that perfect society I'm talking about is heaven. So you've really got to let this sink in, because until you do... Because, you see, God's trying to make a deal with you. He's trying to make a bargain. He's trying to put an offer on the table for you. But until you realize the, the gravity of the situation, of your predicament, then any, any decision you make is really going to be ill-informed. Romans 6.16 Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? So if you're not, what, that's, what that's saying is if you're not living in obedience to Jesus' commands, and then, then the contrary is true for you, that you are a raging sinaholic. You can't stop doing wrong. You're living in rebellion, and you will be cast into the lake of fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Because, look, just like a, a lion or nut like cannot change its nature, it cannot be domesticated, it will not be domesticated, and you, by your own nature, stand in opposition to God in rebellion against all that's good and true and perfect and all that's cherished in heaven. The Bible says there's more chance of a leopard to change his own spots than of you to change your nature. So in order for you to be qualified for heaven, you would need a new nature. You would need your heart and desires to be so radically changed that it would be like you died and somebody else lived in your place. Your heart, your heart would have to be so changed that you went from where you're at right now wanting all this illicit desires to the place to where you hated your sinful ways, to where you hated your shortcomings, to where you hated your inclination to do wrong, well, and you hated everything wrong that you've ever done. And that you would wish and hope and pray that you would just have the ability to live life God's way, or as Jesus put it, strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able to. And that, and that new nature would have to change in you in such a radical way that your deepest desire would be to live for all your heart for God, for the glory of God. And if that happened, that would be a miracle. That would be a real bona fide miracle. Maybe not an outward one that you could see on the outside, like growing out a limb, but something that you could see on the outside by the person's change in actions. So, number one, there is a qualification process. There's a list. number two, your name is not on that list. And then number three, the consequences continue forever and forever and forever and forever. You see, we don't even understand what eternity really means. We can't even fathom it. You see, before mankind inhabited planet Earth, there was a war in heaven. Lucifer uh, rebelled against God. And he was the the shining angel he rebelled against god and he led a third of the angels in heaven to rebel against god too he convinced them and so they rebelled and tried to try to overtake god and it didn't work god's god's more powerful in an amazing way and so god created a place to punish eternally satan and his angels the third that fell and that place is called the lake of fire and that's where they're going to go eternally and that's also going to be the place where everyone who's not on the list gets thrown Forever separated from every form of kindness. Forever separated from every form of compassion. Forever separated from every form of goodness. Forever separated from every form of love. Forever separated from God because God is love. Yeah, this is weighty stuff, isn't it? That's the gravity that you have to feel before you make any decision. You see, the consequences of what I'm talking about are not blessed life versus average life. They're not even life or death, like live or die. We're talking eternal life versus eternal death and and damnation. Forever and ever and ever. Look, one second into eternity, you're going to be irrevocably confronted with this truth. And in that instance, you're going to remember this sermon. And you're going to realize every word of it was true. And you're going to replay this over and over and over in your mind. You will be able to quote this sermon from memory for, because you've replayed it over and over in your mind for all of eternity. You will be able to quote this sermon. And this sermon will do you no good because in an instant it will be too late. Too late. That's why you have to know what you're signing up for before you step into eternity. So as things stand right now, There is a perfect society, and that perfect society is heaven. There is an invitation list to get in, and your name is not on that list because of your own nature, because you oppose everything that's cherished there. And number three, as it stands right now, you will be forever excluded from heaven. You will be forever separated from God, and you will spend eternity in the lake of fire. That's how things stand right now. If something doesn't change... That's what's going to happen. Make no mistake. That's how things stand right now. Right now. If your life would end in this instant, the Bible guarantees that that would be the outcome. But it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. There is another option. There is a solution to your problem. And that's where the gospel of Jesus Christ comes into it. Enter the gospel. 1 Corinthians fifteen three. Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again from the grave the third day according to our, according to the scriptures. Jesus died for our sins, was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. So Jesus forgives sin. The Bible testifies that Jesus Christ died for you. He was the perfect man the sinless one sent from God, the Son of God, God come in the flesh, and he died for you, in your place. He died. Jesus didn't deserve to die. You did. Jesus didn't deserve a cross. You deserve that cross. It had your name on it. Jesus didn't deserve nails being driven through his hands. Those nails had your name on it. Jesus didn't deserve the shame of being crucified. You did. The shame and insults and mockery had your name on it. Jesus died for your sins so you could be forgiven. So the gospel is Jesus died for your sins and that he was raised from the dead. The Bible testifies that he, was, that he rose from the dead. He was the perfect sinless man of God. Death could not hold him down. He did what nobody else could do in going, to, in, in going to the cross for the sins of other people. And he did what no one else could do in being raised from the dead. He conquered death. He conquered death. He abolished death. He put an end for anybody who comes to him. He put an end to death. The death would have no more you know, effect on people that come to him anymore. And in doing so, he conquered Satan. So. Up until then, Satan had the keys of death and of hell. They were in Satan's hand. Up until then, Satan had the power of death over people. And up until then, Satan kept everyone in fear of death all their lifetime, subject to bondage. But in Revelation, Jesus says, 1.18, I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and of death. And in Hebrews 2.14, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself, Jesus Christ, likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had power of death. That is the devil. In Colossians 2.15, Having disarmed Satan's principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. And then in 2 Timothy 1.10, but, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. You see, when Jesus descended, after he, after he died, was put in the, in the tomb, he descended into the lower parts of hell, and he took the keys of hell and of death away from Satan. He disarmed Satan and, he, and so he could destroy him later to triumph over Satan in, in, in this. So Jesus forgives sin, and Jesus offers justification. <clears throat> so, so Jesus died on the cross, and so he could take what you deserve, the death and punishment that was intended for you. And then he rose again from the grave so he could give you what you don't deserve. And that's justification. So Romans 4.25. He was delivered because of our offenses, and he was raised because of our justification. So what, is, what does that mean? Justification is when the judge puts down the gavel, he, he lowers the gavel and slams it on the thing, on his desk, and, and says, I proclaim you innocent. So it's a judgment in which you're proclaimed innocent. Look, what I'm, I'll tell you what I'm not talking about. And this is, and this is the falsehood in, you know, around Christianity today, that you pray a prayer and God hand waves away all, all the wrong stuff that you ever did and all the wrong stuff that you're ever going to do, and God just makes it all magically okay and everything's hunky-dory and fine. You get a free pass to heaven, like a go fast or, or a fast pass or whatever, without changes from your life. And that's not the gospel. That's far from it. That's a false version of the gospel. <clears throat> justification is only, only happens when you have a new nature. Jesus offers a radical new nature. He justifies you and he gives you a new nature. If there's no new nature, there's no justification. Those things are a package deal. So, by, so he offers a radical new nature Second Peter 1.4 By which have been given to us Exceedingly great and precious promises That through these you may be partakers Of the divine nature Having escaped the corruption that is in the world Through lust So no longer do you have to be a raging Sinaholic, you can be changed No longer do you have to live In rebellion against God, against Jesus Christ The Lord of glory Instead you can have A new identity in Jesus Christ. Instead of being opposed to him, you can be in him. You see, Jesus' death makes it possible for you to be forgiven. His blood washes away sins. And Jesus' resurrection makes it possible for you to receive a new nature. A leopard can't change its own spots and you cannot change your nature. But Jesus Christ can give you a new nature. He can remove your heart of stone and replace it with the heart of flesh. So you would want to do the things that are good and pleasing and just in His sight. So you would hate your sinful ways, hate your shortcomings, hate your inclinations to do wrong, and hate all the wrong that you've ever done. But instead, your new nature would change and so that you want to do only the things that please God. And when you get that new nature, that's what qualifies you for heaven. Because you would no longer destroy that perfect society. But you would be a blessing to that perfect society. You would be aligned with its values and you would fit in with its people. And so, because, and because you have a new nature, your name will be written on the list. And that's a miracle. To get your name written on that list is a miracle. That's a bona fide miracle. So, it's, let's make a deal time. As it stands, for heaven it's an invitation only list. And number two, your name is not on that list because you're a raging sinaholic that opposes everything that God loves and is good by your own nature. So you're, number three, you're destined to spend eternity in the lake of fire where Satan's kingdom and every rebellious person will spend eternity. And you'll have millions of years to think this sermon over again and again and it will do you no good. But it doesn't have to be that way because Jesus is here to make a deal with you, to give you an offer of something better. You don't have to be destined to, for eternity in the lake of fire. And this is the offer. Turn from the evil of this life and come to Jesus. Jesus died for your sins so you could be forgiven. He rose from the grave to break the power of Satan off of your life and so you could be justified and get a radical new nature. That's the offer. Turn from the evil of this life. And come to Jesus and be changed. And it's only available because Jesus died and rose from the grave. That's why we're here celebrating Resurrection Sunday. So the Bible says the God of this world has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. But it also says that it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. God had to make it so easy that everybody could come to salvation. You don't have to learn a new language. You don't have to you know, perfect juggling. You don't have to learn to plan You don't have to do anything except for believe, come to Jesus, and be changed and receive. So the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after Gentiles, seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews, a stumbling block, and to the Greeks, it's foolishness. And there are so many people that would call this foolishness. But to those who are called... Both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. So what you're feeling right now, what you're experiencing right now is the power of God. This is the Holy Spirit drawing you to salvation, drawing you to himself, drawing you to come and receive a new nature, to come and be changed. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It is the power of God to salvation. Jesus is ready to make a deal with you today. If you'll believe, trust in him, turn from your evil ways, come to Jesus, and he'll give you a new life and a new nature. If you see the predicament that you're in, then God is calling you to himself. So the offer's on the table. Turn away from the evil of this life and come to Jesus and receive. Receive forgiveness, receive justification, receive a new nature. But just like with any deal, if you walk away from here, there is very little chance that you'll come back and accept another offer. If if you go to a timeshare, they'll hardly let you get out the door because they know as soon as you leave, you won't come back because they know what we know here. If you walk out of here, if you don't make it to deal with God right here, that you will not make it at home. If the Holy Spirit in this hour does not bring you with the power of God to salvation, then how, how would it happen when you're at home watching TV? How would it happen when you're driving down the road? When the Holy Spirit's not present and pulling you to himself with all his might. Revelation 21, six says, And he said to me, It is done. This is Jesus talking. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his Son. I will be his God, and he shall be my Son. But the cowardly and unbelieving, abominable murderers and sexually immoral sorcerers, idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. You can either be an overcomer today by coming to Jesus, or you can be a coward by not coming to Jesus can be an overcomer to step out of your seat and to come and receive the offer that's on the table. Or you can be a coward by staying in your seat and continuing all of the things that you've been living in. Unbelief, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars. So you're confronted with a choice. Do I do nothing and walk out of here the same as I came in? Or do I accept Jesus' offer and walk out as a different person? Do I I stay a coward and walk out of here a sinner? Or do I overcome and walk out of here as a saint? And if you only knew the things that God has planned for you, if you only knew that, if you could get a glimpse of the good things that God has planned for you, you wouldn't just come to Jesus you would run to Jesus, and one second into eternity, you would you will wish, and beg, and plead for one more chance, just one more opportunity to come to Jesus. But then, it'll be, by then, it'll be too late. So I'm going to ask you to do something that's contrary to nature. Your nature and and the powers of satan are telling you stay in your seat but the holy spirit of god is telling you to take jesus hand receive his receive his offer be forgiven be justified and receive a new nature if you want to take god's hand if you want to be changed. If you want to accept Jesus' offer and turn from the, the evil this world has to give and turn and hold on to what Jesus, the good things that Jesus has to give, the things that are he's offering you that are on the table right now. If God's speaking to your heart, then stand up and come down here. Don't let anything stop you. Jesus said, If you're ashamed of me before men, then I'll be ashamed of you before my Father and his angels. If the power of God is working in your life right now, don't let anything stop you. Don't leave here the same way that you came. Leave here changed. If you want to be happy for an hour, eat a steak. If you want to be happy for a, a day, watch a movie. If you want to be happy for a week, take a cruise. If you want to be happy for a month, buy a car. If you, but if you want to be happy for a year, buy a house. If you want to be happy for a lifetime, come to Jesus. Jesus will be in your happy place. For everyone who comes is forgiven. Everyone who comes is justified, and everyone who comes receives a new nature. And for those who do come, Colossians one twenty two says, um, In the body of his in the body of his flesh through death, he is able to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Nothing wrong, no spot on you. And he has transferred you from the and for everybody who comes, he transfers you from the kingdom of darkness where you're under Satan's control and fear and manipulation into the kingdom of light to the kingdom of His dear Son. And heaven is your eternal home. And as an extension of heaven, the kingdom of heaven comes down. And it's like a jurisdiction from heaven that extends into this world. Where God extends His blessing and benefit to all of His people, all of His citizens. So we're going to go ahead and pray. song after that. So Heavenly Father, we come to you. We thank you for this glorious day that we have the privilege of celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Thank you that you've given us another day to live and a day to hear your gospel. Help anyone who's being convicted, anyone who's under the power of God, the conviction of God, to come to Jesus. And so for anybody who's listening, I'm just going to lead you in prayer. Just pray this in the the quietness of your own space. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I am sorry. I didn't realize how terrible I've been. I didn't realize the terrible consequences that are waiting for me if I don't change. So I'm asking for your forgiveness. I come to you, I turn from all those evil things that I've loved in the past, I hate them now. I come to you, Lord Jesus, and I ask you to forgive me. I have no right to ask that. But Dan said that there's an offer on the table for me, so I believe it. Please forgive me. Please change me and give me a new nature. Make me a new person. And please justify me so that I could be proclaimed innocent because you've taken my punishment. Please forgive me, Jesus, and I'll live for you. In Jesus' name, amen.